0: It's time to play like a jet with your host Scott Mason play like a jet what does that mean incredible play 35 yard touchdown Alan Lazard six foot five frame needing every bit of it oh hard still going inside the 10 and he is in for the touchdown Alan has time intercepted Foss, gardner has got it, breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen, tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning,
1: 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets.
2: Listen. This is play like a jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at play like a jet one. And I'm honored to have a very special guest. One of the best football reporters in the country. He's one of the most important right now if you're a Jets fan because there have been two media members who have really been breaking stories around the Aaron Rodgers situation. One of them is Trey Wingo. The other is my guest who writes for Yahoo Sports, as I said, Charles Robinson. Charles, thank you so much for coming on and updating us on what's going on in the Aaron Rodgers saga. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother.
2: So, Charles, let's start with where we're at right now, because you had a report last week, and then you followed it up yesterday. Talk about where both sides stand at the moment.
1: You know, it's funny. The trade itself, I mean, this these negotiations actually predate Aaron's... Um, basically revelation on the Pat <laughs> McAfee show. They were already uh, talking terms uh, prior to that. So this is actually, we're pretty deep into this. This has been going on for quite a while. Um, but it, it's, I would say they're close, but there is a fundamental disagreement about risk, about who who should be basically hanging on to the bag here when it, when it comes to the risk. And when you talk to people inside the Packers, they're adamant that, they feel like we're we're potentially sending away a um, championship type of uh, asset here, something that could turn the key on the Jets franchise, and we could be staring at Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in a Super Bowl in 2023 or 2024. They really feel that way. And there's also an optics standpoint if you're the Packers. Uh, one, if you're Brian Gutekunst, you're sitting here and you're looking at Aaron Rodgers' career and you're saying, okay, we won a Super Bowl with this guy, how bad is it going to look if we send him off in in the midst of what's kind of a fracture and then he goes and wins a Super Bowl in year one or two, uh, sort of like Brady did when he when he left the Patriots and, and went to Tampa. So it's, it's complicated from that aspect uh, with the Packers. And then from the Jets' standpoint, they clearly value uh, Aaron Rodgers. Ownership clearly values Aaron Rodgers, but they also heard Aaron Rodgers say the words – I was 90% retired when mm-hmm. I went into the darkness retreat. And that was a really kind of a fundamental thing that happened in the middle of all this, This the talk about the compensation. And so for the Jets, it was, hey, we got to protect ourselves here. There has to be an element of protection. And, and really, it's two-tiered. Uh, one tier is, what if uh, Aaron Rodgers comes out in 2023 and he tears an Achilles a week into the season, right? And so... You know the thought process of we could lose 2023 and then he could decide to retire and we don't get 2024 either or he could play throughout 2023 and just go okay well that was it i just want one more um bite at the apple and and i'm gone after 2023 and now we don't have them in 2024 so that element of risk and optics has really weighed on this quite a bit and it's advanced to the point where going into the owners meetings there was a structure, basically, that the I think the Jets felt comfortable with, which was we'll send you two second round picks, and be, it'll basically be a second round pick in the 2023 draft, a, a second round pick, or an asset that could graduate very easily into a second or first round pick in the 2024 uh, draft. And part of that graduation process, I mean, that's, that's the nitty-gritty of this. Okay, so if it's a second rounder in 2024, if you're the Jets, you're saying, well, we got to get to the AFC title game for this to become a first-round pick. That's you know, how, how you approach it aggressively. And then you also say, well, also beyond that, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't play in 2024, we want another asset back from you in 2025. So if we only get one shot out of this guy um, and he retires, that's a lot to give up for, for two second-round picks, even for the talent and, and what he potentially means. That's the disagreement. The the Packers are sitting there saying, now, we don't necessarily have to have a first-round pick this year, but we feel like we do want a first-round pick in 2024. We want that to be a guaranteed asset. We don't want um, an escalation process attached to a lower pick that turns it into a first-round pick. That's kind of where it's at now, where even if the Jets, and I think the Jets could potentially relent on the give-back process in 2025, but if they were on the give back process, they're definitely not giving a straight line, nothing attached to it, first round pick in 2024. And the reason for that is if you're the Jets, and, and I, I really think this is where the fundamental breakdown's occurring, Packers are saying we gotta get, you know, we feel like we really have to get that first round asset in 2024. And the Jets are sitting there going, that puts all the risk on us. We feel like that 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 very much shoves the risk onto um our our bank sheet because if Aaron Rodgers, again, something happens in 2023, he tears an Achilles, pulls on a knee, whatever, all of a sudden that 2024 pick could be a very high pick in a draft that's going to have some stud quarterbacks in Um, so it's it's just this um it's this element of who's willing to, you know, placate who when it comes to to the risk factors. And I think the Jets know that time is on their side. There's no real other market out there for Aaron Rodgers. The Packers can't cut him because you're looking at, you know, dang near a hundred million dollar cap charge if you cut him. Um, And even, even if you waited to cut him, I mean, you still, you get to a point where even if the cap charge is divided up, it's still a massive cap charge. Um, And so it's just it's just sort of this waiting game now. You have April 17th where the Packers, um, their workout program starts. Aaron Rodgers could potentially say, hey, I want to show up for that and try to apply some pressure himself by making things awkward. And I think the Packers would not really want him to be inside the building, but they can't bar him from it. He's still under contract. The union would step in and say You can't do that. Um, so that's a potential pressure point. And if not that pressure point, I think when you get on the doorstep of the draft, I really believe the Packers want in an Aaron Rodgers trade to have an asset in this draft in the 2023 draft. I think they want to know if we're moving on from him, we can use that second round pick to help Jordan love. We can use that second round pick to add depth to the offensive line, or maybe add a skill position piece or do something to help this guy now who, you know, we really need to have an element of success um, with him immediately. So that's it. It's just a, it's a staring contest right now about risk. The jets are playing the clock and you know, the, the Packers at some point are going to have to come to terms with this is it. This is, the, this is what you're going to have. No one else is going to, no one else out there is going to offer two second round picks for Aaron Rodgers. No one else is going to offer an opportunity for one of those second round picks to turn into a first round pick. Um, this is where Aaron wants to be. And at some point the, the Packers are going to have to cross that bridge Um, and then we talk about the jets in terms of like a plan B, that's going to be a question, right? Um, is there potentially a plan B for the jets? Well, sure. They're, you know, I talked on our podcast about Ryan Tannehill is, is a guy that I think the Titans are exploring potentially moving up in the draft. There's a lot of moving parts there. If they were to accomplish that, or that was something they wanted to go for, they're going to look a field and see, is there a, a place for Ryan Tannehill elsewhere in the NFL. Um, and, in, and I'm talking in the absolute worst case scenario for the jets. Um, you wonder if that's something that could come into play. But again, I think that's, if you ask me to put a percentage on Aaron Rodgers being a jets 99% because mm-hmm. real realistically the clock is, is the clock and the assets are, are in the jets favor. Um, and I would not rule out no matter what, um, Lamar Jackson. I just would never rule him out. And I'm talking, again, this is a a crazy scenario. Aaron doesn't work out. Lamar um, somehow turns a corner on what his, his contract ask would be in terms of the guaranteed money. I think that um, he is somebody who could, could factor in. But again, that the plan B, that's really plan Z, okay? Because... <laughs> You know, A to Y is Aaron, and I, I'm telling you, it's going to happen if the Jets are just patient and they have a player in Aaron Rodgers. By the way, when you talk to people in Aaron's camp, Aaron's—he's like, "I'll be patient. That's no problem." You know, you—the Jets have an offensive coordinator who I know. I'm, there's no mystery about this offense. There's nothing new I have to pick up. There's no terminology. Um, he has the the built-in security with the Jets to be as patient as he needs to be.
0: more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Charles,
2: there's a lot to unpack, but I want to start with just breaking down a lot of what you said in terms of time being on the Jets side, because I've talked a lot about this on the podcast. Kevin Cole came on, we broke down the contract and the different pressure points, which we'll get to as well. But I think when you look at this objectively and people can say, well, I'm a Jets podcaster, so I'm looking at this from a more favorable standpoint for the Jets. But I think you really have to see this as, as you said, the Packers have nowhere to send Aaron Rodgers. You can't release him because it would be a $100 million accelerated cap hit. And even if they split it up, you're looking at $70 million on the cap next year on yep. top of $20 million for Jordan Love. That's $90 million at the quarterback position. So realistically, there's no way they can release him. Right. They can't keep him because they'd have to pay him $60 million in cash. And then in February, five days after the Super Bowl, they'd have to decide whether they want to pay him another $40 million right. in cash. So there's no way they can keep him. They know that. They can talk about keeping him until September, but ultimately what does that
1: really accomplish, it doesn't, right? It accomplishes yeah. nothing. It's a financial bomb. Well, everything you've said, and it's funny, cause I've kind of watched the conversation unfold on Twitter. Um, people cannot, they, they really need to grasp that. It's a financial bomb for green Bay. There's, there's, there's no good options here. And the only option that, um, that like if really it's like, okay, we have no options. The only option we have now is to tell Aaron, come on in, come on in. We'll try to work it out. That is just that. I mean, there's just, (laughs) there's no way that is happening now. And on top of that, I think if you are green Bay, you have to understand, as you said, they they can play this because of the, the 50, what's it? $54 million con, the, the, basically the, um, the trigger, the option that they have has to be picked up at some point. That has to be picked up before week one of the regular season. Um, they can play that game, but what are you doing then to Jordan Love, right? I mean, because that is something that maybe people don't understand. Is right now Jordan Love has said to you know Matt Lafleur, like, what's going on? What am I? What's the deal? Like, can like you know, what's and the longer the Packers play the hey, we're gonna you know screw around with this game, the longer they you know string along Jordan Love and. Um, you know, that's something that for them to have success post Aaron Rodgers, they want to be able to turn the reins over to Jordan Love completely, not have veterans in the locker room, many of whom are, you know, friends with Aaron Rodgers going, Well, what are we doing here? Like, what, is, like, why is this muddled? You know, downstairs starts to get pissed off about upstairs at that mm-hmm. stage, um, in the NFL. So that's something that your listeners and, and Jets fans really need to understand is that the clock here. Um, it does have an end date, and the Packers only ruin their own internal assets by running it all the way to that end date, especially if the compensation is not changing.
2: Charles, like you said, this ends one way. The Jets getting Aaron Rodgers because there's no other bidders here. So right. I've never understood exactly what leverage the Packers supposedly have, and if you look at this realistically, I know that Andrew Brantus said, well, the reason that the Packers have leverage is because they'd be more satisfied with the status quo. But what he's not looking at, I think, is that the Jets don't have to be satisfied with the status quo because there are other options for them, whereas there are none for the Packers. And this is one thing that Joe Banner has talked about a lot. He said, and you mentioned Ryan Tannehill, that's one possible option as the Titans look for teams that might be potentially interested in him. As you said on your podcast, they're not necessarily shopping him, but they might be open to moving him for the right deal to the right team. Lamar Jackson is still out there. There's buzz about the Rams potentially being willing to part with Matthew Stafford. So the Jets could go in a different direction. The Packers can't because as far as I'm aware, there's no other team that's willing to jump in here. There's been all this buzz about mystery teams. You've heard that the Patriots might be shopping Mac Jones, but there's no way the Patriots are taking on that contract. No. So, (laughs) <laughs> For as long as the Jets are the only player in this, really, Joe Douglas can afford to hold the line because, as you said, Aaron Rodgers and his camp are sitting there thinking, whatever, I'm not showing up until the end of July anyway when it's mandatory. I know the offense. My favorite guy, Alan Lazard, is there. Brett Favre showed up yeah. August 8th not knowing any of the players, not knowing any of the coaches, and the Jets were 8-3 and three through 11 games and the odds on favorite to come out of the AFC until Favre tore his shoulder. So Rodgers has a huge advantage over even what Favre had, and Favre didn't show up until August. So the Jets, as far as I can tell, can afford to be as patient as they want for the most part as long as they're willing to hold the line. The Packers really can't because they've got to move him at some point. And as you said, the first real pressure point is OTAs. Is Aaron Rodgers willing to show up April 17th and make it very uncomfortable? And then from there... You've got the draft. Are you willing to punt on this year's draft just to prove a point and get assets in next year's draft instead, thus weakening yourself this year? So I think all of this really points towards the Jets having all of the leverage here. The only leverage I can see for the Packers really is that, and I've used this analogy a lot of times on the show, Charles. You've got an impatient owner in Woody Johnson. Do they sit there? And hope to, in my analogy, draw the Jets off sides on what would be a fourth and five from their own 30. Everyone knows that they're not going to go for it. They're going to punt in the end. All you have to do is not jump off sides. In this case, Woody Johnson forced Joe Douglas into doing something. If Woody Johnson sits back and lets Joe Douglas handle this, it would seem to me that the Jets are the ones that really control this, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a really great point. Ownership is, a, is an aspect of this that should be talked about more because part of the reason why the, the Packers can drag their feet the way that they are is because Mark Murphy, the team CEO, and Brian, Brian Gutekunst, the general manager, they don't have anybody to answer to. There's no one, after Mark Murphy comes out and starts talking about Aaron Rodgers in the past tense at a high school girls basketball game, which was just a complete oddity, there was no phone call then to mark murphy saying i need you to come down to my office we need to have a conversation so that in a way slows down the trade on the part of the packers because they're sitting there going we don't have anybody to answer to it's just us we're sitting here you know we got the board but there's no it's not like the board meeting is suddenly there's oh emergency board meeting to you know um take these guys uh to task it's it's a very different situation as you said with the jets and and that's a good point to make but I think there there is an asset here that you know um, Andrew Brandt, with all due respect, probably is not fully factoring in here. Um, Aaron Rodgers is an asset. Aaron Rodgers' spite is an asset. Okay, what Aaron Rodgers wants is 100% in the Jets' favor, and not only that, Aaron Rodgers, I think is he's willing to do whatever he's got to do. You know, he's willing to fine. You want You want to drag it out? Fine. Go ahead, drag it out. We can go ahead and drag this out. I'm I'm not going to budge. Um, and I think people maybe underappreciate how much that helps the Jets ultimately, because the quote unquote status quo for the Packers, SAS quo of what, bringing him back in the fold after all this and knowing that he has the Pat McAfee platform whenever he wants to turn that on. And, you know, do, do they want an NBC Howard Stern situation where this guy, every time he, he shows up, he's bashing management. And he's saying, you know, he's held hostage because that's, that's the thing, the narrative in this will eventually turn at some point it will be okay. The Packers are just doing this to, you know, out of completely out of spite. And, and at what point, you know, how much damage are you going to start to do to your own franchise because you can't just ultimately let this situation go. And by the way, two second round picks for a, a year of football. Okay. And not only a year of football, but like I said, $50 million plus uh, roster bonus uh, or option. I I have to look at the contract for the exact language, what the bonus is, but it's a $50 million bonus. That's going to be triggered by the acquiring team that is not triggered by you. Okay. It's, there is now, you know, you're going to lose some money in this situation. You're going to take a hit. Yes. Could be exponentially worse though. You're going to bring a guy back in the fold to take that financial hit and also have him basically feel like, okay, well, you guys held me hostage. You wouldn't let me go. Now I'm stuck here, and you know the other quarterback. What are you going to do? You're going to try to start Jordan Love over me? Really? That's not realistic. There's just no really good outcomes here for the Packers, and ultimately they're going to have to recognize that. Um, but as you said, I can't. I can't predict Woody. I just can't. I don't know. Ultimately how Woody will feel if they get on the doorstep of the draft and this still is not done. And you know how dead talks are at that point. When I say dead, I just mean no one's budging. You're just sort of sitting there. Um, Not as in dead. It's over, you know, could Woody get impatient? Yeah. I mean, he could, he could get impatient, but following the draft, there are going to be more quarterback slots filled for teams, not less. Okay. And I don't know if the Packers are sitting there hoping upon hope that maybe a team gets a quarterback in and that, you know, shakes loose the situation and, and all of a sudden they, they need an Aaron Rodgers for a year. We want to bring him in for a year and, and plug him in in front of, you know, whoever we take. Aaron's not going to be on board with that. You think he wants to go anywhere? You, you think let's, let's have a fantasy land scenario. Say, say you have the Colts, right? And they take Anthony Richardson at four, and they go. We really don't want to play this guy. We got to sit him. So let's let's see if we can go get Aaron and bring Aaron in and you know put him in front of Anthony Richardson. Do you think Aaron Rodgers wants to go there? No, of course not. He doesn't want to go into that situation. He wants to go in the Jets situation. He's the guy. Okay, he's the the straw. I mean, New York's from a straw that stirs the drink. I mean, that's it. So. I think everybody just needs to be patient and let these let these two parties stare at each other. And you know, at some point, I think somebody's going to realize that even if it j- is just two second round picks, it's still two second round picks, and that's better than nothing. That's better than a hundred million dollar cap charge if you cut them. It's better than bringing back a guy kicking and screaming who doesn't want to be there, um, and and making this look even nastier and more awkward. It's. Everybody's just got to be patient in this and and let it work itself out. And by the way, I I think when you look at what the Jets, I think the way the Jets are approaching this, and I've talked to people in both organizations, and I understand how they're both approaching it. I get it; they both have their points that they can make. Um, but I do see risk. You know, I understand the risk, and the, and unfortunately for the Packers, Aaron ratcheted up that risk by saying the ninety percent retired thing. That did not help them at all. Um, But it is what it is at this point.
2: Charles, I want to come back to the risk factor in a second. But first, I want to talk about the word that you brought up. And that word is spite. Because it seems like there is spitefulness on both sides here with Rodgers and the Packers. But ultimately, what can the Packers do spite-wise? Sure, they can hold Rodgers for a few extra months. But they can't keep him because if they do, they have to pay him $60 million. They're not going to pay $60 million cash. To a player they don't want right. as far as rogers spite here and this is where i'm curious what you've heard from rogers camp and some of your sources how willing is he to dig in his heels here and make things uncomfortable and put pressure on the packers is he willing to show up april 17th is he willing to show up in the summertime is he willing to really turn up the heat will he go on McAfee? will he go on joe rogan or whatever podcast and talk disparagingly about the packers right. and use his platform to really push this forward how far is he willing to take this?
1: That I can't answer. I wish I could. I wish I knew whether or not. And believe me, I've asked, like, is is there a chance that, that this guy shows up for the workout program on, on April 17th? I mean, I asked Matt LaFleur, you know, what what will you do? <laughs> like, if is, is he going to be welcome? And Matt's, you know, always diplomatic answers. I'm just going to co- whoever's on the team, I'm coaching. <laughs> they, show, they show up and they're in the workout program. Cool. If, you know, whoever's at the passing program, great, you know, whatever. Um, and, you know, but he'll also tell you Jordan Love wants to know what's what's going on. And they want, the coaching staff wants to be able to answer that for Jordan. They want to be able to say definitively there's a 100% um, runway here to you starting for the team, not 98%, not 99% because 99% might as well be 0%. In this scenario um but it's i mean it's a good question i don't know i don't know i mean that's those are decisions that when aaron rogers decides to um apply pressure or talk about himself or um take a more aggressive stance i would say he thinks long and hard about those and typically everybody else is the last to know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, it's just like the, the decision on the, you know, the Pat McAfee show to ultimately roll out. I'm with the jets at that point, both the jets and uh, the Packers knew that they had talked about uh, trade assets here. Um, and Mark Murphy had said what he said, but it wasn't until Aaron ultimately decided, Hey, I'm going to just go ahead and on the McAfee show. And I'm going to say, and even I, I think you watch it, you can tell even McAfee didn't ultimately know, that Aaron was going to say what he said on that Mm -hmm. show. Um, Now I I had heard a few days before and we said on the podcast that Monday, like when Aaron talks, there is a chance that eventually he says, I feel like they moved on from me. I feel like they pushed me out. I feel like I came out of the darkness retreat and suddenly things had changed. And, but again, that was something that I didn't hear until literally 48 hours before it came out of his own mouth. That's pretty late. Okay. So if Mm -hmm. apply the 48 hour rule, we might not know until april 15th whether he's willing to show up for um the 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 you know workout program we might not know until 48 hours before the first ota whether or not he's willing to show up for that so um i would suspect that as we get closer to the, the draft this will get ratcheted up i would suspect that um if aaron is still a packer late this month that something else will start to come out of his camp in terms of why is this done?
2: Charles, I want to go back to the risk factor that you discussed before. And again, people may say that because I'm coming at this from a Jets perspective, that I'm looking at it through a certain lens. But the way I see it, and I think most independent observers would look at it this way, what is the big risk for the Packers? Sure, Aaron Rodgers might go to the Jets and they do well, but so what? They were going to move on from him anyway. They were going to Jordan Love, and the Jets were the only team willing to take him. For the Jets, the risk factor is enormous because, as you said, he said going into the darkness retreat, he was 90% retired. He may only give the Jets one year. So if the Jets give up a two this year, a one unconditional next year, Aaron Rodgers plays one year, and they don't do anything other than go to the playoffs or maybe even miss the playoffs, then it looks like a monumental failure. But you hit on something even more important. What if Aaron Rodgers comes out, hurts himself, and they don't even get anything out of Aaron Rodgers, and now the Jets have given up a two and a one unconditionally, and now they've messed their future up after Rodgers leaves? This is something that I think really needs to be talked about more because, look, we just saw what happened with Russell Wilson. Now Russell Wilson's still in Denver for a few more years. But the Broncos clearly never thought they were giving up a pick in the top five in that deal. But Russell Wilson was terrible. And look at what happened. They got a top five pick. We saw what happened recently with Jamal Adams. I'm sure Seattle didn't think they were giving up a top 10 pick in that deal. But that's what happened. Seattle was a lot worse than they anticipated. I even have a better one for you.
1: And this—and mm-hmm. I think this is actually the most realistic scenario. Look at Matt Stafford, Right. He had elbow mm-hmm. issue this year, right? And it, and really, if you want to talk about, I mean, it was. It's not like things were great, but that elbow is inability to work out last off season, and then obviously it curtailing his season. That's the sixth pick in the draft. Okay, that you, that you now that pick that you thought will be at the tail end, right? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have Matt Stafford, and you know we're probably gonna be in contention for the Super Bowl every year. So that pick's gonna fall somewhere between twenty eight and thirty two. Most teams, their draft boards don't have they have maybe 15 first-round grades, right? So in their minds, they're thinking, that's going to be a second-round grade player, maybe even deeper um, on our draft board. That's what we're giving up. No, that's not how it worked out. Matt had elbow issues. It destroyed the season. Next thing you know, Detroit's sitting there on the sixth pick in the draft. And a sp- sixth pick in the draft, that's far closer to moving into prime quarterback territory if that was the inclination they had had. So that's for the Jets. You're sitting there going, well, hey, this, the the uh, Rams situation could happen. You know, let's say, you know, he comes out and tears his shoulder or there's an elbow issue or, um, you know, any any number of different things. And it dramatically changes the vibe in our franchise. Now, you would you would suspect, hey, look what they did last year with subpar quarterbacking. Um, You know, could they have another veteran option, a plan, a plan B scenario that they could go get live during the season or maybe they trade for a guy or whatever? and try to repair things on the fly. Those are all bad outcomes, by the way. And yeah. it very well could turn the jet season into a monumentally disappointing, you know, situation and maybe a sixth pick situation. Like I'm not, I don't, you know, do I realistically think that could happen? No, Aaron's pretty durable. He plays, you know, he, he's been a very durable player during the course of his career. Um, but again, it's risk and, Mm -hmm. this draft this year compared to next year's draft radically different they're not you're not talking about the same level of talent and even though there are going to be at least three quarterbacks that go very high in this draft next year's quarterback just between drake may caleb williams marvin harrison jr i mean you're going to talk about a number of players in next year's draft that are going to be um very 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 highly rated not just in their own draft class but you're going to hear things like you know who, if it's Caleb Williams that's the first pick in the draft, people are going to tell you he would have been the first pick in every single draft going back to Trevor Lawrence um, and before Trevor Lawrence every single draft going back to maybe Andrew Luck. That's the kind of things that they're going to And Marvin Harrison Jr. You're going to hear a lot of Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver to come out in Lord knows how many years. Um, you guys have, you know, uh, you have Garrett Wilson, right? Mm-hmm. Well, inside the Ohio State program, Marvin Marvin Harrison Jr is considered a a one who would make Garrett Wilson a distant two. That's how good he's viewed inside the the Ohio State franchise. So, I mean these are all things that you have to consider when you're the Jets. And that's why this risk is is so significant. You can't just assume nothing's going to happen. You you have to play out the worst-case scenarios or you're a bad general manager, straight up. Like if you don't play out the worst Uh, case scenarios and protect yourself, it's malpractice.
2: Without a doubt. And when you talk about giving up a two this year and a one next year unprotected and you have that potential doomsday scenario hanging over you, plus even if Rodgers plays, if they don't win a Super Bowl and then he goes and retires after one year, you gave up a lot of potential assets that can help you post Aaron Rodgers. And now you've put yourself in a huge hole for one shot. It just seems like a lot considering that the Packers are in a situation where you know they have to get rid of this guy. Why surrender those kind of assets? So to me, it seems like, again, unless Woody Johnson jumps in here and gets involved, it would make a lot of sense for the Jets to hold the line because they know that the Packers have nowhere else to turn. And they also know that if they don't get give back protection, and more importantly, if they give up an unconditional one, they are putting themselves in a terrible position so it would stand to reason as far as I can tell that if somebody's going to bend here eventually it's going to have to be the packers, right?
1: Yeah, and I, I think again, I'm I'm just telling you I think in these negotiations I think the jets have already um tried to help this situation. Like again, I, I they could dig in really deeply on the di- give back situation they could and and I think it's defensible, absolutely defensible to to dig in as deeply as possible on the give back do I think that ultimately if, if the Packers said, Hey, okay, fine. A two this year, a two next year that could potentially graduate. Um, as long as you don't ask for that, give back. Um, and he only plays one year and we're, you know, maybe we're just getting two twos for this guy for one season of him playing for the jets. If the Packers were to green light that, I think, you know, it's pretty solid, uh, chance this deal gets done. So, um, I don't even think, you know, the giveback isn't the deal killer here. It's just that protection for 2024. That's really, to me, where this is um, completely stalled.
2: Charles, if it was me, both of those would be a deal killer. But then again, I'm not the one in the room. It's Joe Douglas. So we'll see how this turns out. Going to be interesting because we thought this would be wrapped up. This could carry on all the way up to the draft and maybe even beyond the draft. We will see Charles Robinson. One of the best reporters in the country for Yahoo Sports. Thank you so much for coming on and updating us as far as what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, the Packers, and all of that. Really appreciate it. For everybody that wants to check out your work at Yahoo, your podcast, talk about how people can find your work and how they can follow you on social media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You can get me on uh, Twitter, at Charles Robinson. You can also find me just, you know, Yahoo's website, the app, uh, under the NFL content. And then, obviously, the podcast. We always... Love to have in uh, passionate podcast listeners, and there are a lot in the Jets fan base. Uh, so if you just check out UPod to win the game, like I said, we always try to help uh, get people ahead of situations when we can, and obviously this one will be one where we'll, uh, we're going to be try- trying to stay in front of Aaron as much as possible. It's a little difficult to do that. So, uh, But yeah, come on in. Uh, hopefully we can add you to the podcast family.
2: Make sure you check out Charles's podcast, read his work over at Yahoo, follow him on social media, and check out everything we're doing over at playlikejet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome all 22 breakdowns courtesy of the Thunder from down under Luke Grant, including the two newest wide receivers for the New York Jets, Alan Lazard and Miko Hardman. So watch those videos and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikejet. Visit our store tpublic.com that's t-e-e-public.com we've got the John Franklin Myers and Williams bless you thank you shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's t-e-e-public.com and be sure to give us a five star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what you're doing it doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us we'd be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest the New York Jets podcast and content you know where to go that's Play like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.
0: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a whoo-hooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver?